Hi there, and welcome to the Kidlit Treehouse podcast with your host, Liam Jury. I'm a grade five, six classroom teacher at New Haven Primary School, which is in Phillip Island, Victoria, Australia. And the Kidlit Treehouse is a project designed to build literacy competence in young people. So thanks so much for tuning into the pod. Let's get started. Welcome to the Kidlit Treehouse podcast, episode nine. It's a special feature length episode today as we have the one and only Sally Rippon on the show. So we have an interview with her. She is the author of the Billy B. Brown book series, along with the Hey Jack book series and the Polly and Buster book series. In addition to that, we go over to Gardamel Primary School this week in Brighton East and we hear from a couple of grade six students, Jemima and Ariel, who have got some awesome writing to share with us this week. So let's get going. Okay, and welcome to the Kid Lit Treehouse podcast, episode nine. We are unbelievably excited this week to have uh, the fantastic Sally Rippon on the show. So hi, Sally. Hi, it's really exciting to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you on the show. So thank you for giving up your time. Um, Sally, could you just tell us a little bit um, about yourself for our listeners? Please. Yes, absolutely. So um, I've written lots of children's books, hopefully some of the ones that you might recognize. So I think maybe the series I'm most well known for is Billy B. Brown and her best friend, Hey Jack. So I spend a lot of time working on uh, lots of books uh, featuring those characters. But more recently, I have brought out a trilogy about a witch and a monster who are best friends called Polly and Buster. Well, I have to say my, my children at home, I've got three kids and they are huge fans of all your books. So they bought a lot oh, of it to us. How old are your kids? Uh, they are um, five, three and four months. So ranging in ages. Um, so um, Sally, can you just tell us what, what's your current project? You've told us about the books that you've read, uh, written in the past. So what, what's, what are you currently working on? So I've just finished uh the last book in the trilogy of Polly and Buster just came out this year. So I've been spending quite a lot of time uh, traveling around Australia and promoting that and visiting schools and bookstores to chat with kids about how the series came about. And it's also just been published in the US as well. So I also flew over there in the middle of the year. So to be completely honest, I'm a little bit between projects now, which is a kind of exciting and scary place to be. Exciting in the sense that anything is possible. You know that I've got a million ideas and I have to decide which one I'm going to get started on. But um, And also a little bit scary because I think before you begin anything, you're always a little bit worried that you'll never be able to do it again. (laughs) But that's what I've got coming up next. Great. Thank you. Um, And... What was your, we asked this um, question to authors that come on the show about past um, favourite books. So what was your favourite story that was read to you as a child? What kind of sticks out for you? Probably the one that I go back to time and time again. It's really hard to choose because I had a lot of favourite authors and uh, we were really lucky that we grew up in a house of a lot of books. My mum was also a teacher and so we were able to bring books home from the schools that she worked at or go to libraries that she was also really happy for us to buy books to have at home too. But probably the one that stands out would maybe be Charlotte's Web. And I think because that's the first one that really made me understand just how much a book could pull on your emotions. And um, so without giving it away for anybody who hasn't read the ending, it's a pretty sad ending. And it was also made into a beautiful film. And so after my family, one of my parents had read the book, we went to see the film. 
And even though I was very young, I came out of the cinema just crying and crying and crying. I think we were going for a school excursion, actually, and my dad picked me up out the front and he said, what's, what's wrong, what's wrong? And because I was crying so hard and, and I said, well, the, the spider died. <laughs> that I was so upset about the death of a spider because, of course, I would have stepped on them, you know, only the day before. But really what that showed me is how powerful storytelling can be in that it can make you empathise with anyone and anything, even a lowly spider. And I've always found that really inspiring and I think that really great storytelling helps you to imagine what it's like to be someone or something else. And that's really everything that I write uh, comes back to that one thing now. I think as a writer, empathy is the key to everything that I want to write and that was the first example of a great example of incredible empathy from that writer. Yes, so true, so true. Um, so, Sally, can you give, uh, we have a lot of young listeners um, on our show, um, and I'd like to ask if you could give them a tip. So if there was a tip to our young authors out there, what would it be? Well, I think probably the best way to become a better writer is just to read a lot. And I bet you every writer will tell you this, but it's actually because it's the truth. You have to read a lot. And I'd also say to read really widely because you can sometimes surprise yourself. Like I know even now as an adult, I will often just go to the same type of book again and again. And every now and then I'll force myself to read something that I wouldn't have considered reading before. And I'll be amazed at how much that will open up to my mind to other possibilities. So for example, my son went through a stage where he thought he hated reading. And so I found him, got him hooked on manga. And so he loved reading manga for a while. And um, sorry, that's my emails coming through. And um, so that's a really great example of sometimes even just by uh, finding a different way of the story being expressed, or maybe you think you don't like poetry, but your teacher might introduce you to this incredible poetry that you didn't think poetry always had, you always thought poetry had to rhyme and you found this amazing book where it doesn't necessarily have to rhyme. Like, can I recommend one? We'd love to recommend a book, yeah. (laughs) Um, Amazing book about a boy that hates poetry but understands what poetry can really be be about and it's called uh, Hate That Cat. No, Love That Dog. The second one's called Hate That Cat. Love That Dog by Sharon Creech. And it really is just about a teacher introducing poetry to a classroom and the whole book is set out like a long poem and him finally understanding, oh, okay, so poetry can tell stories too. It doesn't just have to be this rhyming business that I thought it was about. So just expand your horizons a bit as readers. Really good tip there. Well, that's a great tip. Thank you. Um, okay, another question we've got for you is if, if you could have afternoon tea with three book characters... So um, who would they be? Who would you invite and why? Oh, okay. So (laughs) I'd probably have to have um, Charlotte there because Charlotte the spider in Charlotte's Web was so wise. And, um, you know, how often do you get to actually talk to an animal in real life, right? So if you could actually have a talking spider at your table, that would be pretty cool. But then if you're going to have one talking animal, then you probably have to throw in Roald Dahl's Fantastic Fox because he's pretty cool as well. And then who would I finish up with? Hmm, gosh, I'm going to have to think about it. I'd probably put in someone a little bit cheeky, a little bit naughty, like maybe um, Eloise. I don't know. They were books that I grew up in and she lived in the New York Plaza and I was such a good little girl when I was growing up. I always tried to do the right thing. And she is so naughty. And so I used to love reading books about how naughty she was. So I reckon you could have these two really intelligent, 
people at a table, like fantastic Mr. Fox, who's so suave, and Charlotte, who's so wise. And just chuck Eloise in there. She'll just make a total mess of the thing. Yeah. I think I'll balance it out nicely, actually. I like, I like that. <laughs> um, so is, is there a children's book that you've read recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Okay, let's have a think. There's so many children's books that I love. Um, so I, I often read a lot of picture books because you may not know this, but a long time before I really started to mainly write, I was mainly an illustrator. So I used to illustrate a lot of books for other people. And so I was literally in the little book room today uh, flipping through my friend Davina Bell's new picture book. And it was so cool. Yeah. Factors of Wildlife Tractors. And if you want someone that can rhyme, oh my goodness, she just can, she can make a story out of rhyme in the most wonderful way. So I literally read that one today and I've just started reading uh, Sick Bay by Nova Wheatman. So I love a lot of her middle grade books. She has written two and they're just, the names of them are just blanked out of my secrets we keep and then secrets we share, I think is the second one. So she really knows how to write characters that you would want to be friends with. So, um, so picture book, I'd go for the tractor book and maybe Nova Weedman for upper primary. Great. Thank you so much. Um, now we're going to finish up the interview. I've got a few questions from the kids uh, in my class, actually. So um, Finn wanted to know if you could be any of the characters from your books, who would you be and why? Well, it's really easy, actually. I'd go for Polly because she's magic and who yeah. doesn't want to be magic? She rides a broomstick. She messes up her spells quite a lot, but that's because she doesn't realise until the end of book three that the power that she has is way more than you could actually learn at school. And um, that was really important for me to write that about her because Polly is dyslexic, like my youngest son. And often what will happen is when dyslexic kids go through school, they feel like they're not good at anything and school is really, really hard. But, oh, boy, when they leave, they often just shine because they have so many skills that can't be taught at school. And that's what happens with Polly. She just learns that she's really magic from within, not just like all the other witches in her school. <laughs> That's great. Um, Melinda wanted to know, it's uh, a bit of a different question, this one. Um, if you could have a mythical creature as a pet, what would it be and why? Do I get to make it up or does it have to exist already, do you reckon? Oh, we um, absolutely love creativity on this podcast, so you can make it up, Sally. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Polly and Buster again just because they're in my mind a lot at the moment. But yeah. I made up like the coolest pet that you could ever imagine. So I thought, what kind of pet would a witch have? And I thought, I'm going to give these pets what's called a bortle. So Polly and her older sister Winifred have a pet bortle called Gumpy. And Gumpy is a kind of pet that witch mums get because Gumpy hoovers everything off the ground, vacuums up anything that's fallen on the ground. So that's handy for just crumbs and things like that. But if you don't pack up your toys and you come downstairs the next day, all your Lego has been eaten up by the bottle, your school shoes that you kicked up under the kitchen table. So as a mum, I'm totally getting a bottle in my house. Oh, I am so with you on that one. So I'm already thinking of my house uh, tonight when I get home. <laughs> You just get a bottle and they just clean up all the Yeah, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> all right, um, Kayla's question for you was, what is your favourite Billy B book and why? So really, really hard to choose, Kayla. I love the question, though. I think if I had to choose, it would probably have to be the copycat kit, and there's a reason behind that. So the illustrator of the Billy series, you may not know this, is um, an illustrator who was born in Japan, but she's grown up in New Zealand. Her name is Aki Fukuoka. 
And I hadn't met her when I'd written the first Billy books, but after a few had come out, she came over to Australia from New Zealand and we toured a bit together and we got to know each other very well. And she told me her story about having arrived in this very rural, remote town in northern New Zealand with her three brothers and sisters from Japan, very young, couldn't speak a word of English, and there were no other Japanese people in that village. In fact, they'd never seen a Japanese person. So for Aki, who didn't speak any English, she was incredibly shy. She became very self-conscious. She felt really lonely. And that's how she learned to draw. That was the thing that gave her something to do, made her feel cool in the classroom because she's an amazing illustrator. And so I often think about her, how hard that would have been when she arrived at school not knowing anyone and not being able to speak English. So when I heard that story, I wrote The Copycat Kid based on a Japanese girl that arrives in Billy's classroom. Yeah. And first of all, Billy is annoyed because she's copycatting because the, the girl Mika is copying her all the time. And then she understands why. It's because she thinks Billy's cool and, and um, she's learning from Billy. So I think that's the one that means the most to me. Oh, great. That, that's fascinating about um, that you hadn't met her before you'd written the story. That, that's quite common, is that with all of this? Do you want to know a fun fact? Yes. So actually, the illustrations of Billy look exactly like Aki. So we were blown away because we'd never met Aki. We didn't know what she looked like. But in fact, she'd pretty much just drawn herself. So she she looks exactly like Billy B. Brown. She does her hair the same way. She dresses the same way. In fact, she said when her dad saw her doing the drawings, he said, you're just drawing yourself, Aki. Oh, brilliant. Um, okay, our last question for you, um, Sally, is from Summer. And she wants to know, are any of the Billy B. Brown books based on true events? So can you, you've just kind of answered that with the copycat kids. Are there are any others based on true events? Oh, uh, Summer, every single book. And in fact, the, yeah. the sillier the thing, the more likely it was that it happened to me. For example, if you know anything about the beautiful haircut, I can let you know that not only did I cut off my pigtails, but I also cut off my little sister's pigtails. So, yeah. yep, pretty much Don't every... Don't do home, kids. <laughs> That's right. It takes a long time to go back and you regret it the moment it's happened. And so every single Billy story comes from something I remember doing when I was growing up all things that I've seen my boy when they grow up, particularly the Jack stories. And that's where all my stories come from, actually a mixture of imagination and experience. And I think that's another thing that the young writers out there might like to think about is that sometimes when we just rely on our imaginations, it can be hard to come up with something that's really unique or original. But if you come from, draw from your own experience, no one can see the world the way you do. And that's always a really good place to start. And that makes your stories feel true too. So even if you're writing about fighting a dragon or something invented like that imagine what that would feel like maybe you've you've been scared by a big dog before and you put those true feelings in there and that's what makes your story feel real mm -hmm. and talking of dogs you guys won't be able to see it because it's just on a podcast but i'm going to show your teacher my crazy naughty puppy on the screen because he's just oh, chewing the listeners at home yeah it's gorgeous yeah. oh what's your what's your puppy's name sally uh, and originally he's called Billy. <laughs> oh, I won't ask you who it's named after. But <laughs> <laughs> the boy spelling. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Thank you for bringing Billy on the show. <laughs> you can describe him to your students.
Um, Sally, we appreciate you giving up your time. It has been so wonderful chatting to you and getting your insight into being an author and um, what it means to be an author. And your stories have been fantastic. So thank you so much. And we um, lo just love reading your book. So I can't wait to read the next one. Thank you. Total pleasure. And good luck with all your story writing as well, because I started at your age. So it means the younger you start, the more practice you get. So excellent. Thanks, Sally. No worries. Bye. Today, we have a new school on the podcast. We've got Gardenvale Primary School joining us all the way from Brighton East in Victoria. Um, so I've got uh, Debbie Powell, who teaches grade six. And um, Hi, Deb. How are you? Hi, hi, Liam. Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Um, Debbie and I actually used to work together uh, many years ago, so it's really lovely to have her on the show. And she's got two of her fantastic students in her class, Jemima and Ariel. So hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Um, Ariel, how old are you? I'm good. Oh, how old are you? Uh, I'm 11. 11, excellent. And Jemima, how old are you? I'm also 11. Okay, brilliant. Okay, let's hear what writing you have done. So, Ariel, would you like to go first and share your piece of writing with us? Yeah. My story is called Dogs, Dogs, Dogs. The cats were happy living in their trees, eating their cat food, and living with their families. Until one day, the dogs arrived in their kennel cars and the cats became really scared. And a dog came out of the kennel car and took little cat Felix. Felix was terrified. The dog took Felix to a school to get him a good education and become more like a dog, but he was a cat and didn't want to be a dog. Even though Felix got a good education, he still didn't like school. He did not like the way of the dog, and he knew that he never would. So one day, Felix decided to find home, but first he needed a strong and brave team who was also like, didn't like the way of the dog. So when night came, Felix and his team ran away from the school, but they got caught and were taken back to school. Felix missed his home, his food, and his trees, but most of all, he missed his family. Felix thought he would never see them again. One day in the school assembly, the head dog said to all the cats, you're free. So all the cats ran out of the building and went back to their families. So Felix and all the other cats were, that were at school were set free to return to their families their food and their trees, and most were happy again. After a few weeks passed, a couple of dogs came from the main doghouse and apologized to the cats, Felix, and the cats lived happily in their trees where they belonged. The end. Wow, what a great story, Ariel. Thank you so much. Um, can you tell us what inspired that piece of writing? Um, um, a movie called The Rabbit Proof Fence. Oh, I love that movie. It's a great book as well. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much, Ariel. It's an allegory about the stolen generation. Ah, so it's got a hidden meaning, your story. Yeah. Which is what an allegory is, isn't it? Fantastic. That is such a lovely piece of writing and what a lovely message. So well done. Um, okay, Jemima, it's your turn. Yes. Okay. My, mine's also an allegory. And my story is called The Battle of the Burgers. Oh. 
Yay, this is so much fun. All the chicken nuggets are screaming because they're having so much fun on the right side of the plates. However, because all the chicken nuggets are having so much fun, they're forgetting about the fries on the left side of the plates. Therefore, the fries weren't happy that they couldn't go over and join the chicken nuggets to have their big, amazing party. The chicken nuggets were so kind that they let the fries come over and join the parties and have some fun together. After a while of having a great time at the party, something very, very big happened. The burgers had arrived. Everyone went silent. No one knew what to do. It was the scariest day of all the food's lives. The burgers sent all the fries back onto the left side of the plate and then the burgers built a wall. The wall stood there for days, weeks, months, years. All the fries and chicken nuggets were trying to eat through the burgers, but it was too much for them to do. Until finally one day, there was only a thin layer of cheese left and that was gone in a day. The burgers had finally learned a lesson that chicken nuggets and fries were more powerful than burgers. Everyone reunited together and everyone lived a happy life. The end. Oh, wow. What a great piece of writing as well. Now, is that based on a, something that's happened in real life? Yes. Is that right? Can I have a guess at what, what event that was based on? Yep. Uh, was that the Berlin Wall? Yes, it was. It was. Well oh, wow. I was feeling a bit of pressure to get that one. But um, what a great piece <laughs> of writing, Jemima. And um, it's so lovely to hear different pieces of writing. We haven't had allegories on the show before, so that you guys are a first. So hopefully we'll get some more after um, students listen to your work. So thank you so much. Um, thanks for sharing your writing, guys. It's okay. Thank you for having us on the show. No worries. Okay, Jemima and Ariel, something that we get um, young authors to do when they come on the show is also share a book that they're um, enjoying from the year. So could you share a book that you've read this year that you'd recommend for our listeners? Jemima, um, do you want to go first? Yes. So we have been reading um, Morris Leisman for Book Club, oh. and he's a very good author. He has written things about the Holocaust, yep. and then he also has fun little books to just sit down and enjoy. Yeah. Great. Yeah, he's a wonderful author. And students in my class are big fans of him as well. Yeah. And Ariel, what about you? What book are you recommending or author? Um, it's from the One series by Morris Gleitzman. It's called After. Yep. And we've also had the opportunity to meet Morris Gleitzman. You're joking. He came to our school. Wow, when was that? Um, it was last term. Oh, and did um, he give you a good insight into how he wrote his books? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, wow. That's a really big guest to have at your school. What a great, um, fantastic thing to happen. Um, I'm really lucky. <laughs> okay, um, guys, thank you so much for coming on the Kidlet Treehouse podcast. It was a pleasure to listen to your writing. You are very talented authors. And keep up the writing and keep inspiring others to write in your class and your school. Thank you, Thank Liam. you. Lovely to see you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. The Lit Challenge this week is going to follow on from our interview with Sally Rippon, where she talked about a witch's pet being a bortle. So I thought it might be nice for you 
listeners at home to have a go at writing about your own made-up pet and what it could do to make your life easier. So the bottle cleans up and hoovers up everything. So for a parent, it's a great little pet to have around the house to help tidy up at the end of the day. Um, so please, if you have any writing to share on the podcast, get in touch at thekidlittreehouse at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to episode nine. Thank you to our guests for coming on the show today, to um, our Garden Vale students and also to the fabulous Sally Rippon. And please leave a review on the podcast. That would be great. And recommend it to your friends. Have a great week, everybody.